Hello and welcome to a special episode of Sonic Talk. We're very fortunate today to have a couple of people over on the west coast of the US. Uh, so it's quite early in the morning for them, but uh, I think you'll be very pleased that they have made the effort to get up and uh, make themselves presentable. We're talking to Banner Hafar and Eric Cheslak, uh, aka Rodent516. Banner, of course... Uh, you may have uh, seen on the recent, or well, I guess it was uh, towards the end of last year, Mo Mother 32 promotional videos, which are all rather different. How are you both, anyway? Good, how's it going? Yeah, Thank you. It's very good, thank you. Um, I'm. It's not so early for me, so uh, I'm the one who's wide awake, so uh, thank you very much for joining us. So, um, a bit of background. So, so Banner, um, your background is as a professional bass player, is that right? You studied at the Musicians Institute, if, I, if my research serves me right. Yes, I actually studied in France, and then I came to L.A. to continue uh, my studies at MI. Um, and I've been playing bass professionally for probably close uh, close to eight years, eight, nine years now. All oh, right, so you've been kind of touring and uh, studio work, all those kind of things, yeah? Yeah, all of that stuff. And, yeah, I've, uh, I've had the opportunity to play with some pretty uh, amazing artists and just uh, have a lot of great uh, experiences through, through that and playing bass professionally. Seems like a very different world to the uh, notion of the modular stuff, which is uh, you first came to my attention with the launch of the Mother 32, uh, which was actually a very different approach to Moog uh, had made because usually, you know, we get the kind of the generic dance EDM type of area. And it was really nice to see a sort of more gentle, ethereal uh, kind of atmospheric approach. And uh, how did all that come about for you? Um, the, uh, the link with Moog, actually, Eric, Eric was the one who put that together. He was on a work trip in North Carolina. Um, I think he was having lunch with you. What was it? Your cousin? Yeah. My cousin is, uh, friends, friends of friends with, uh, Emmy at Moog. We had gotten to talking about, uh, some of the stuff that I was doing and I mentioned Banna and, uh, and showed Emmy a photo of her and she was like oh this is the woman that I've been researching like you gotta get me in touch with her so it was kind of a coincidental kind of thing wow. um, that's a connection with Moog yeah so uh, just quickly Eric I should say your background is in professional photography kind of skate and sports that kind of thing yeah yeah I'm a professional skate photographer been doing that for 15 years so your um, the, the sort of larger modular setup. I mean, I'm guessing the modular side of it is it, it, it would would that be kind of your other life? I suppose this is this is the thing that you because you perform as Rodent Five One Six. You do a lot of kind of more experimental kind of uh, uh, types of electronic music. Is that fair to say? It's a hell of a system you got. Yes, that's my alter ego. I guess is just modular music. It's fun. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy playing live with a system. It's challenging. I've played live with other types of synth setups, whether keyed synths and drum machines and effects. And I find this to be more challenging and more rewarding. And one of the things that really interested me about the, the Mother 32 uh, piece that you did, Banner, it, it's very melodic. Uh, I mean, I think it's very, um, it's quite usual to get into in, into the more sort of uh, noisy side and the more me uh, mechanical side of things, but yours still has quite a long, strong musical sensibility. Is that because of your training as a bass player? 
Um, I think it's probably because of my musical training in uh, in general. I mean, I played violin for many years before I played bass, so I was classically trained in violin. So I think I'm pre-programmed to think in a melodic way. And um, I think with the Mother 32 video, I wanted to get away from something that was very gridded, which sometimes a lot of the uh, synth demo videos tend to be kind of maybe more dance music orient uh, oriented. So... I wanted something that was less less gridded and more melodic, and that's that's kind of what what came out of it. So, did you, uh, were you were you using kind of uh, um, cross rhythms? So, using multiple kind of threes against fours against that sort of thing. Was that how you how you approach something like that? Yeah, I was using a sequence that wasn't um, an even sequence. It was m maybe like nine steps or seven steps or something, and that combined with some delays and reverbs to kind of. Uh, just to add some, uh, um, just some different textures to it. That's that's mainly what I did on those pieces. So I have got a little clip here. I'm just going to play it for context. Uh, so halt, uh, stand by. So I won't play the whole thing there, but I noticed two things about that video. Um, you're using a pair of Mother 32s in that, right? Yeah. And um, an extra cabinet. Is that the same cabinet that we can see behind you there, is, or is it a kind of configure a, a similar configuration? No, that was a different uh, travel rig that I configured uh, just to uh, be able to carry it on the plane because the rig that I have here is not carry-on size, so I wouldn't be able to fly with that one. So it's just a smaller rig that I put together just to uh, to be able to use with the mothers and just kind of show the connectivity with a standard like Eurorack rig. So I'd uh, be great if we could if we could take a look at that rig now. I mean cuz your setup is the one to the left. So you've got the uh, the main cabinet there, right? Yeah, so this is uh, this is my main system. And um, I uh, I reconfigure it regularly so this is just a specific system that I put together for a, a show that I played a couple of weeks ago, uh, a couple of days ago, I'm sorry. So I have all my, uh, all my timing stuff on the top row here. So starting on the left, I have most of my timing stuff, uh, some of the percussions, uh, I have a kick drum here, uh, my tone sources, like my three oscillators I just have here on the top, the mod to mix, um, and then I have a function generator here. And then I have a, uh, a filter down here, the Make Noise MMG, the Maths, which is uh, one of my favorite modules of all time. I just feel like it's the, uh, it's like the Swiss Army knife of modular systems. It does everything. That's the that's 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 Make Noise, isn't it? The Maths, isn't it? That is Make Noise. Yeah, it's the Make Noise Maths. Very very uh, useful module that uh, is like Pandora's box. You can do so many things with it. It's like an endless endless journey. Um, I have a sampler here, uh, my dual filter over here by Maleko, a little mixer, um, a delay, the new audio damage delay, uh, another VCA. So I have VCAs on each, uh, on each row here, as you can see, one, two, three, and then those kind of go into the mixer. 
Um, I have all of the sequencer type modules here on the bottom because they are um, there are touch pads on them, so I just like to have them accessible from the bottom of my system. I find that if I put them in other places or in the top rows, it's just harder to get to the touch pads. So I like to keep those on the bottom. And yeah, just some uh, some extra stuff here. And that's that's pretty much what I'm working with for now. But again, I do like to reconfigure my system regularly. And you've got the, the Mother it. 32s over there on to the left of that. Is that one or two? What have you got going on there? Uh, so I have, the, uh, I have two uh, Mother 32s on there, double tier stand. And those, uh, I don't have them connected with my system now, but they, but they do connect really well with the, uh, with, with the rest of the system uh, via the patch bay here. And then I just have a mixer, um, this uh, little reverb here, the uh, Eventide Space, which I love. This is a great little reverb. And, uh, and my Voyager, which is uh, the synth that kind of got me into all of this. It's, it's my first love, so it, ha it has a very dear place in my heart. <laughs> So when you got the, what, did you start with the Voyager because you were getting kind of key bass gigs, that kind of stuff, and and uh, rather than you know just the pre basic bass playing, because quite often obviously bass players are asked to play pedal bass or bass synth or that kind of stuff. Is that what kind of was that your gateway drug, as it were? Definitely, that's that's exactly what happened. I was uh, playing a lot of gigs at the time, and I felt like it was time to step my game up and venture more into key bass as uh, gigs were starting to uh, to call for more of that. So that's why I got the Voyager, but I quickly discovered that it's uh, far more interesting than just playing key bass lines with it. And I, I mean, honestly, I wasn't very good at a lot of the key bass stuff because that's almost like playing a different instrument. So I quickly started getting into the tone shaping capabilities of the synth and less into the technical playing aspect of it. So I can imagine, I mean, the, the thing that also interests me is, obviously, if you're classically trained or at least formally trained in several instruments, you know, you've got the immediacy of being able to pick up that kind of the bass or whatever, and you don't need to plug it all in and get you just get going. I mean, how does that translate into compos comp composing for modular stuff? Uh, it's a lot slower. <laughs> which <laughs> uh, it's definitely a much slower process, which uh, can be frustrating sometimes if I have an idea... Um, that I'm trying to actualize. It's obviously a lot quicker for me to do it on a bass guitar, but um, uh, I, like, I like the fact that it really is a much slower process and I have to really think about every, every step of the way and um, I'm really enjoying learning it and, uh, and trying to get better at it every day. And the other thing that I, you, you mentioned then was um, that you also reconfigure the system quite a lot. And that's, is that particular for particular live sets or just to kind of because you like to keep on your toes? I think it's a mixture of both. Um, I have, from what I showed you in my system, that's, that's most of my modules. But I, I do have a pile in the corner of modules that are not being used. So um, just because I don't have a second case yet, I have to switch them out depending on what I need for a specific performance or recording. So maybe sometimes I don't need a sampler. I need a, another delay instead. So like I'll switch things out. That and I also like to reconfigure the entire system sometimes and maybe put the oscillators, kind of spread them out and put them next to modules that I wouldn't normally put them next to. Uh, and kind of break away from the standard synthesis chain and 
inspiring different ideas that way. Oh, that's an interesting idea. I mean, I guess I guess that kind of makes a lot of sense. You were talking about effects and uh, the, the uh, Eventide Space is it, or the, and the Black Hole, all of those are kind of real. You, whenever you see people playing out, there's usually one of those in there. I mean, is that is that what you were using for the uh, the, the Moog piece? Yeah, yeah, I was I was using that, and I was using the MF one hundred four delay, which I really I really would love to own one of those. I was borrowing that one. Uh, I don't think that the, that Moog makes those delay pedals anymore, but they are incredible. Um, yeah, I, I find that that space reverb and just reverb in general, I feel like it really helps. It helps me patch better because it's a uh, it just kind of lubricates my ideas, and I, I just find it a little more inspiring to patch with a little bit of reverb than just. A very dry synth sound which works sometimes but definitely appreciate a little bit of reverb yeah absolutely yes. i can i can understand that so eric i mean your system is a, a much large i mean i'm guessing that large system to the side is, is not portable right i mean that's that is that does that represent you know your your years of collecting or is it set up for a specific thing how does that uh that's definitely representing years of collecting that's for sure and it is not portable. I have uh, a few cases here that I configure for live shows and pull from my main cabinet and configure different systems based on what I want to do for those live shows. And they're normally always something different. Well, uh, maybe we could uh, take a look at your system because uh, I'm sure everybody would love to see what you got in there. It looks like one of everything pretty much. Let's take a look. Yeah. So, uh, right, so, I'll turn I, this. so you've got a couple of uh, lower cabinets there. I'm guessing those are the ones that you would you would use to take out, right? Yes. These cases that are in the uh, lower section uh, normally are all sequencing and timing. This one that I'm looking at now uh is set up for some shows that were earlier this week and in San Francisco. And I'm going to record some stuff from that patch in the next day or two. Normally it's, it has that pressure points, brains, analog memory, dope for sequential switch sequencer in it. It has the new Harvestman industrial music electronics, Stilson hammer Mark two. Uh, there's normally my, you can see it, sitting back there next to my toy machine board. Uh, that's my Sputnik keyboard that's normally in this case as well. This other case that sits right next to it, you can see that it's mostly controllers and a lot of timing to where the two cases that really sit in the bottom down here are primarily normally just sequencing and timing. So do you reconfigure those for live shows as well? So, you you know, if, if you take that case, or have you got other cases that you take out for if you're going to do a live event? Uh, yeah, sometimes for a live event, I'll take one of these skiffs. That's a Make Noise skiff. I also have a Make Noise 7U CV bus case. That's normally what you see a shared system in. Ah, I got you. And I mean, but and the case behind it, I mean, that is there is there a kind of system to that or is it just kind of a matter of uh, what fits where? Well, at the time being, since things are a little jumbled around from the live shows that we've had lately, uh, things are a little jumbled around and kind of fitting where, but there is, I do have an order to this. And realistically, it's, 
In the first row down here, it's normally all triggerable modules. My Sputnik uh, sequencer and switch normally is in one of the cases down in the front, but it's normally a lot of uh, triggerable modules. And uh, from there it goes up to oscillators. I've got a patch going here that I was working on something last night. It goes up to a lot of oscillator modules. There's the shapeshifter and subcon vampire, the uh, dual oscillator from Sputnik. There's the DPO and Rick's Mix filter bank control file setup. There's a Maleco voice, uh, AFG Frequensteiner, uh, a couple nebulas. So there's a lot of uh, filters in here as well. So there's a lot of oscillators and filters on this right side of the cabinet and then uh, a lot of modulation sources in the middle the dope for quad ad two maths the uh, sputnik quad function trigger source um there's a little random section down here and then a lot of vcas and as i move left in my system you can see that it starts to be a little more processing with a lot of audio damage processing. Uh, there's a lot of make noise processing right there. Uh, and still a lot of VCAs where my system actually moves uh, from right to left. And then normally down the left side, there's a lot of mixers right here, which there's a, a Muta mix and then a uh, mix four by Maleco. Normally there's a few of those down the side here and uh, down that MFB drum mixer because directly to the left of my system is my mixer that goes into my Pro Tools system. So I do kind of go from right to left. And I noticed there's some space in the top shelf. What do, you, what do you keep on the top shelf of your modular? That sounds like some sort of smutty question, but it's not intended to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, the top shelf right now is kind of stuff that's shown up a little more recently where there's some of the new mutable instrument stuff, the Piston Honda Mark II, uh, the 4MS Resonator, which is an amazing, amazing module, uh, the Topo Brillo Triple Wave Folder. Wow. It's kind of more recent arrivals have made it in the top, but I think I'm about to redo the layout and some stuff that I don't use as much that's lower might get shifted up to the top. All right, so it's a continuous process how the things kind of migrate through the system. I always get a bit nervous about doing that sort of thing just purely because I have blown up a couple of modules. It, I think it's imperative in the future that uh, they're all surge protected so that if you plug them in wrong, they don't blow up. That little puff of smoke is always a scary moment, right? I've definitely done that. So uh, one thing I, I haven't got into is uh, VCAs. I mean, I just tend to attenuate uh, by using mixes, and I don't fully understand the way that VCAs integrate into there. Perhaps, Eric, could you give me a quick kind of, what would you use a VCA for typically in your system? I use VCAs in multiple, multiple different ways, uh, whether they're controlling the amplitude of the actual sound that I'm working with at that moment, or whether I want to... Uh, let's say envelope and open up uh, a VCA to let a control signal through or a trigger sequence that can go to drum modules. 
to uh, let's say trigger a drum fill. Ah, okay, I see. So a lot of VCAs are DC coupled, which means that they can also uh, control the amplitude of control signals. So ah. there is a whole other side of using VCAs besides just for audio. So I use them like I use them in those type of situations uh, quite regularly. And ah. also, the more you play with different VCAs within your rack, you, you, you start to hear the differences in the sound quality. Some of them are very clean VCAs. Some of them add a little bit of color um, and a little bit of fil filtration also. So the VCAs that are available now within the world of Eurorack are very, very, uh, definitely color the sound. Ah, that's really interesting. So the other thing was, um, are you, I know Banner, you said you had, were using sample modules. I'm guessing, Eric, you probably, what would, what would you trigger, what would you use in those samples? What, what sort of uh, um, uh, application do you use those for? And what are they? Well, one of the ones that I really like to use, well, the two of them that I have in my system that I use primarily all the time are the Qubit Nebulae and the Make Noise Phonogene. And the Phonogene can be a looper, and, and which you can do overdubs with, or you can sample something into it and trigger it to play at certain times. And the, uh, the Nebulae is more of a sample playback and you can trigger those samples to play at a certain time, or you can do granular processing of those samples in, in either of those modules. That's interesting. And, and there's been a huge upsurge, and a lot, a lot of the innovation is going into uh, digital stuff, isn't it? So that's something that's quite interesting. Are you finding more and more you're exploring the digital side of the modular world, uh, or do you tend to prefer to stay in the analog? I guess that's a question for both of you. I think I think it's mixed, honestly. Um, there's so many amazing digital modules out there, and um, uh, as we strive to get our systems to become smaller and more compact, I feel, for me certainly, I I uh, I would like to explore more digital modules for that for that reason. I definitely uh, like both, for sure. There's a a newer concept to some modules where it's a digital module with several different modulation points to its algorithm. And they're very popular. Some of those are like the Make Noise Misteron, the AOM Dinky's Tycho, the Audio Damage Neuron. Those are all digital. Um, the, uh, the Mutant drum series modules by hex inverter are, are are all analog modules and but they function in the same way and you can definitely hear differences in the types of percussion that they all make but i don't really discriminate between analog and analog and digital sometimes a lot for my bass sounds i really like to use real analog oscillators like my dpo or like the subcon vampire, um, and it's and it's pretty hard to beat the warmth of an analog oscillator. Honestly, I mean there are digital oscillators in in Eurorack, but they um, they definitely have more of a metallic, colder sound, which which can be very very cool to use. But for me, I I, I definitely have a soft spot for 
just analog oscillators and the warmth that they that they have. Yeah, and I'm guessing because you're playing live quite a lot. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, Eric, you do a lot of live performances in New Banner as well. And, and, you know, you get to really hear the difference between the analog and the digital when you're playing out through a bigger system. I mean, it's not something that you can always catch with smaller studio monitors, but really in a big, big playback environment, it really makes a difference, right? Definitely. Very much so. Very much so. Which kind of takes me on to uh, rather neatly to my next question, which is your modular on the spot stuff. I mean, this is something that's really interesting. I've got a, a little shot of screenshot here. There's an article here on uh, hardware in the wild, and you've you've kind of pioneered this this approach of of actually playing outside with modular equipment, um, which seems kind of quite counterintuitive. I'm guessing generators and uh, vans and and lots of kind of uh, storage in case it rains must be going on but perhaps you could explain how that came about because it seems like a kind of pretty crazy idea to be honest certainly from a european perspective where the weather's bad sure uh well it started from a camping trip that her and i did together in arizona out near sedona and i have a generator that i use for a light kit for my skateboarding photography work and i brought that and one of our uh qsc k10s and a system and we wanted to just jam out and make some patches while we were at our campsite and did you find did you find that it actually um made a difference to the sort of thing that you were doing i mean were you sort of feeding off the environment you definitely feed off the environment for sure it's very different you know making a patch in a closed studio environment versus you know, being creative in a, in a beautiful outdoor setting. And I mean, how can that not inspire you? Yeah, definitely, I, definitely helps. But I mean, looking at some of these shots as well, I mean, you've done other ones in more public spaces uh, with kind of, well, still, there looks like some Buchla systems there as well. I mean, that sounds like a quite a challenging thing. I mean, A, because, you know, people are going to be curious, but B, I'd imagine permits and, you know, usage of public spaces. Are you, do you do it kind of guerrilla style? Is that the plan? Yes, we do for sure. Uh, just to really explain, I guess what modular on the spot is, is it is a renegade monthly event that Vanna and I put on here in LA. We've done a couple in San Francisco as well. And it's all modular synth based. We don't allow the use and the performances of any laptops or Outboard. Drum machines, outboard gear, Optitracks. It's modular gear used in their traditional sense. Um, so I'm guessing um, it must be kind of challenging also because uh, it, you can't really publicize it if you're not you know, a, 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 a sanctioned uh, venue or what have you. So how, do you, how does the community work around that? So what we do is we announce... Modular on the spot, only a few days before it actually happens. We do that with our social media and the social media with the other people that we have set up to play for that month. And I guess around LA, the the modular scene here, modular community here is kind of caught on to it. And there's a lot of people that are regulars that come every month and bring friends and word of mouth has kind of got out about it. So we do have a, a decent number of people that show up, but it being renegade and we don't have permits, we definitely 
like to keep it a little more low key with uh you have to be fleet of foot i i think I, uh, uh, there was, there's got to be a joke in there about uh, the first rule of modular club is you can't talk about modular club right yeah. <laughs> the oldies but goodies um the other thing that I noticed, uh, Eric, you recently played at the uh, LA Modular Meet with uh, Richard Devine and Danny Miller and all that. How, how did that go? Uh, it was a great show. It was a great event. We had a good turnout. It was good to have Daniel Miller there. It was really nice to meet him and, and uh, talk to him about just previous projects that he's worked on and kind of what he uses a modular for. And uh, I think we really sparked him on wanting to play live with a modular actually oh that'd be interesting i wonder if we you'd ever be able to get him to get that massive v, uh ems uh i can't remember what the synthy uh, out of the, out of his building i imagine it's probably weighs about three tons i don't know if you've seen that yeah. that's it that's even bigger than your modular system eric which is hard to believe yeah for sure definitely hard to believe we uh we're in talks about doing uh more of that same event in different cities uh and different international location so uh stay tuned some of those might be coming up in your backyard oh great it's really interesting how um modular's really caught on because i mean for many years it was sort of seen as as really almost too nerdy and too scientific and too disconnected i suppose from the process of music making but now it's almost like there's this sort of sense that the, the maker kind of society because the rest of our society is so disposable you buy something you use it till it breaks you throw it away whereas you know th this is like, almost like a diy aspect to it where you have to make things and use them do you why do you think that is that it's that, it, that it's taken on so much that's a that's a good question i i'm not i'm not really sure what what has sparked this kind of second coming of the modular i mean i think people are just searching for new sounds I know that, that that's what interests me about it, just just the search to find and create new sounds. I feel that it's become more accessible and with the variety of stuff that's available now, it's appealing to more people and this and especially Eurorack has gotten to the point of where I feel it's not as difficult to obtain it's not as yeah. difficult to to figure out and that appeals to a lot of musicians that use you know traditional keyed synthesizers and they you know see that hey it's easy to break this down module per module and expand on that basic chain or change it up completely and be able to make new and different inspiring sounds and it's and it's also a great community of people that uh, that are making up this whole modular scene. I mean, I know that in LA, it's we've all become almost like a family of just modular synthesists, and it's um, it's just a really great community. I was wondering because oh, Eric, I mean, with such an enormous system, there. I mean, are you involved in the development of many modules? I mean, I'm guessing that might be one reason why you've got so many. Presumably, you can do test and 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 have input on designs as well. Uh, I have been involved with several of the manufacturers. Uh, ben and I are a part of the Make Noise testing and development team. Uh, I've done some development with several other manufacturers as well. I've helped with the development of several modules. You know, one of the more recent modules that just came out that Ben and I helped with the development of was the Make Noise Tempe. 
Ah, okay, right. Guys, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I know uh, we've got a performance prepared um, that you very kindly put some patches together and, you know, connected your two systems. And uh, so we're going to play out with that. But before we go, I just want to say thank you very much for joining us. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you for having us, Nick. Thank you. Yes, thanks for having us. Thank you. You're more than welcome. So uh, one thing I did before we go, um, is it important to you to actually make things that are purely real time rather than lots and lots of overdubs i mean is that something that's an important aspect of the way that you work that's definitely how we've been doing things so far definitely all all in one take and no overdubs that that might change in the future for me i don't know um eric i absolutely really enjoy the real time aspect I guess so, and then I guess you just do another take if you need to, or if it's live, the moment's gone anyway. So that's how it works. Anyway, thank you very much. Uh, where can people find out more stuff about you, and how would they be able to find out if they're in the area, uh, how to get hold of, uh, how to attend one of your modular uh, meets? We typically post it on our Instagram pages for Modular On The Spot, and we post two or three days before the event. And uh, that's that's the extent of the marketing that we do for that event, just because we are trying to keep it a little a little under wraps because we don't have permits. So then I guess you can find out a little. You can find Vanna's music on her SoundCloud, and and I have one as well. The SoundCloud uh, Rodent Dash One. So we kind of we kind of always upload new pieces periodically. So, yeah, you can definitely find us there and uh, or through our Instagrams, for sure. Great. Well, thank you very much. And I think without further ado, we'll have you play out with your piece. Thank you very much. <laughs>